therapists, non-therapists, and everyone in between. My name is Ian Hammonds, and I am Hayden Lindsay, and this is Therapy on Tap. I am here having a drink with fellow Austin therapist Patrick Harris, and we are one short today. Uh, Ian took a mental health day, because uh, mental health is very important, and we didn't give him shit for it. This is the most authentic way we know how to talk about therapy in a relaxed, non-judgmental environment, pint by pint. We are obviously deprived of a pub given the current pandemic. This is not a promotion of drinking, but instead humanizing the field the best way three humans can share a space. We do have three humans today, don't we, Patrick? We do. One of them is not Ian, but you want to introduce Ben? Should I introduce Ben? Who's hosting this? I'll take it from here. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ben. Have... I'm a I'm a guest on the show, and uh, <laughs> here I am. Hello. It would be funny if we just logged in and be like, "All right, Ben, take it from here." <laughs> <laughs> We're going on mute for the next hour. If you want to just do like a, a solid five and then vamp for fifty five more minutes. <laughs> We usually have a bio or personal relationship with our guests, which makes introducing them a lot easier. Uh, but our guest mm. today is far too famous and dynamic for us to condense into one brief synopsis. Um, so, Ben, do you want to tell us what you do, uh, who you are, what you do professionally? I know personally, I know you from your stand-up comedy, your internet trolling, and occasional stints on court TV. But who is the, yeah. the man behind the keyboard? And any daddy issues is also fair game. Yeah. And well, that, programming. That's Favorite. pretty much me. I'm a comedian and an online entertainer combined so i do a lot of um maybe parody on the internet like pretending to be corporations or city governments or uh even lately news reporters and then just generating um humorous content from it and presenting it either on youtube or tiktok or on stage in front of audiences um yeah have you broken into streaming like do you have a twitch where you I know you do like the live. Yeah, I do live streams for, um, I like to do them for people on Patreon. The Patreons, for those aren't aware that people pay, they subscribe to me. And it's kind of like how I've made a career is through like Patreon. Um, But yeah, I do live streams for them and we do live trolling together. We'll go in groups and like mess with people and they'll watch me. And I found I like that a lot better because it's like less people. And I've tried to do live streams public before for like larger audiences and i start to freak out when i see like any comment that like throws me off or someone's like this is boring or (laughs) (laughs) then i just lose my mind and i can't do anything i found that um it's much more entertaining when i'm just relaxed so uh yeah and like around a supportive environment and then people who pay to support you are always really nice so it's like that's my favorite method of doing the live streams now i've done public ones before but yeah uh yeah, I like doing them for the just patrons and YouTube members. Nice. What's your Patreon handle? Uh, Palmer Trolls. Trolls. Yeah, I'm Palmer Trolls on on all the platforms or whatever. Nice. So what, yeah. what brought you to, uh, right before we hit record, we had such rich conversation, but can you give us your timeline mm-hmm. of, of how you arrived to where you are at today? Because you said you've been punk rocking it for eight years now, and there's been a slight evolution to the work that you've been doing. Yeah, I guess it so, probably starts from the very beginning, maybe when like I was a teenager, maybe before then, I don't remember, but I always wanted to do comedy. And then 
Uh, when I was 21, I did my first open mic at a comedy club. And then um, uh, eventually I started writing stuff on Facebook that made people laugh. And like one of those things that, that did well was pretending to be a customer service representative for companies on Facebook. Um, I think Uber was the very first one people were writing to Uber. And then I was responding as Ben Palmer, freelance customer service representative and just writing ridiculous responses to them. And then back then there was such a new thing that no one had any idea what was going on. So they would actually surprisingly fall for it. Like they really thought I was working for Uber as a freelance customer service representative. And then, uh, and then it grew. I made a page called customer service and started responding with that page to like, you know, every, every corporation you can think of. And half of them blocked me. <laughs> And then um, uh, eventually changed the name of it, the page to Hope This Helps, uh, and then began responding as the actual um, company name, like whether it be like Walmart, it looks just like it's coming from Walmart with Walmart's logo, and then just sharing screenshots and uh, you know pretty much any corporation you can think of, I've probably pretended to be them. <laughs> so. And I love the name, Hope This Helps, because I find myself saying that a lot as a therapist. I'm going to offer up something. Yeah. <laughs> I hope yeah. that helps. I don't know if it will, but... <laughs> are, you just, <laughs> are you just troubleshooting with your patients? You're like, is this going to work? Sometimes. Kind of. <laughs> really? Sometimes yeah. it's a spaghetti situation. You just throw it against the wall and see what sticks, because there's not a, a one... I think people are confused. There's no one-size-fits-all model of care. So as a therapist, mm. we can get these cool trainings and get these cool certifications. But if one person doesn't like the warm, fuzzy part of therapy, where it's like, where do you feel your anxiety? They're not, they're just yeah. going to fucking shut down if you talk to them like that. And some people don't like really in your face, like accountable therapists. Some people need like a gentler touch. Some people need a firm touch. So right. it is that makes sense at the very beginning, like a guess and check. I do yeah. a good, good balance of uh, the Buddha and like George Carson. Like, <laughs> George Carlin, Carlin, Johnny Carson. You do a Johnny Carson impression when you're doing therapy. <laughs> I'm going to model uh, imperfection there and not edit that out. <laughs> George Carlin. But yeah, you know, the, the, the spaghetti sticking. Yeah. And some people will be like the Buddha. Tick not Han. Yeah. Buddha is not going to work for someone who's like, um, like a devout Christian or something like that. You know, they're not going to want to hear that. Right. Super hardcore Christians think that Buddha is like the Antichrist. Like if, if you mention <laughs> yeah. Buddhism to like a super strict Christian, they're like, oh, that's they're probably stuff. not a fan of George right. Carlin either. My mom oh, lives yeah. in a very, very small, like rural Texas town. Like if you've seen a movie about Texas, boom, you have an idea of what this town is like. And this mm. like metaphysical hippie store came in selling like crystals and charms and incense and stuff. And no one would go in because they thought it was devil worship. Yeah. Like, the business owner had to go around to all the little like Lions Club and church groups and be like, this is what meditation is. It's not devil worship. Here's what a Tibetan right. prayer flag is. It's not devil worship. Mm. So, yeah. Well, that's good that they reached out. Yeah. Was yeah. That- and then when it comes to like meditation too, if I've, when I was meditating a lot, it was helping me. I would like recommend it to somebody else. And they're just like, Oh no, I can't do that. Like, what do you mean? Sit still for three minutes and close your eyes. But yeah, it's easy. And then you just breathe like, no, 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 I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. My wife, she'll like freak out. She's like, I was like, just focus on your breath. And she says, if she does that, it makes her even more anxious. (laughs) 
There is a lot of people don't understand that there are contraindications. So my PhD work is in mind body medicine. Like there are mm-hmm. contraindications to something as non-invasive as meditation. Cause if you have like a significant trauma history mm-hmm. or you are not at the point where you are comfortable with silence, then yeah, it'll, it'll trigger some stuff for you. Yeah. Um, I had a professor that said something that's strong enough to heal is strong enough to do harm. So that goes for even something as, as you know, easy as meditation, it can still trigger. Yeah. That's why oxy, that's why oxycodone is very bad for you, but it can, (laughs) it can heal too. (laughs) It takes the pain away, but then it can also bring the pain. That's a good quote. Uh, Had a pharmacology professor similarly say the difference between a medicine and a poison is the dose. Yeah. Ah, nice. There's a really good book called eight minute meditation. Like if you want to get your feet wet in meditation, each chapter is one week. So it'll be like for the first week for one minute, just close your eyes and don't do anything. Like Mm. don't don't worry about if you're doing it right or wrong. If you can just do that for seven days for one week and one minute, do it. Chapter two is like two minutes, Uh, close your eyes and focus on your breath. Three minutes do this. So it like, it builds on each other and each, each week is a different style of meditation. Interesting. Uh, by the end of it, you're up to eight minutes. So that's if good. That's, if, if people that are interested, that's a that's what I always point them to that resource because it it's super intuitive and it's a very easy way to ease into it. Yeah, and some uh, with meditation, and it does take practice to sit down and like not do anything and close your awesome. eyes, and your mind's just racing, and that's like, well, what do I even just do? But yeah, if you really work on it every day like that and do it and start small, like I can see that being very useful for people who are trying that like i could probably use that now because i swear i was meditating every day for like a certain like year but like lately i haven't meditated in a long time so i'm like back to being like where i can't focus and sit still for you know so yeah i feel like it does take it takes work yeah but the benefits for me they help me a lot when stay calm and like just like observe things before clinging on to them and reacting right away you know which i'm glad you recognize that too because that's where people fall off. They're like, Oh, meditation sounds easy. You just close your eyes and sit there for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you can't just go out and sign up for a marathon and expect yourself to be able to run it. Like you have to right. work up to it. Like it's, it's a discipline like anything else. Like it is hard to sit still and clear your mind for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, for, mo- for more of my like sciencey people, I have this uh, apparatus. It's called a muse M U S E. And it actually like tracks your brain waves of when you're meditating and it'll give you like real time biofeedback. So if you're in a deeper state of meditation, um, so let's say you have it, you can set it to like rain sounds, ambient songs, nature sounds, whatever. If you're in a deep state of meditation, the sounds get quieter and then you hear like birds chirping. If you're in that low frequency of meditation, if your brain's distracted and popping off all over the place, the sounds get louder and louder. So it'll be like the, the storm gets louder. The people that are talking get louder. Hmm. Um, oh, and it's a cool. really cool, like, and it'll chart your progress. So at the end of it, it'll show you like a graph of like how long you were, your brain was in active mode, how long your brain was in deep meditation. So it gives you like actual quantitative data on meditation because meditation is still a hard sell. People think it's like, oh, that's what hippies do. It's like, nope, there's an actual science to it. Yeah, totally. How, where is that at? Where can you get that? Uh, Google Muse, M-U-S-E. You can get it on Amazon. Um, you can get it through their website. They have like super fancier versions that are up there in like $506 $6 range. The original Muse or the Muse 2 is good enough. And that's around one to 200 bucks. That sounds pretty cool. It'd be interesting to look at that. I didn't know that that type of technology existed. 
Oh, it's dope. They even have it for kids. They have like video games that comes with tablets that measures their I was gonna say. biofeedback stuff. And if it'll Brain. intentionally like stress the kid out and then it'll pause the game and say like, calm yourself down. And then if you can calm yourself down, you get like a bonus like coin or weapon or something in the game. Then it'll resume. Nice. That one's called Mightier. So if you have kids and you're listening, Mightier. You calm yourself down and then you get the gun. Yeah. That has maybe some. It's a very American game. <laughs> they should uh, for future le- legislation. They should have like a, you know, like those ab workout machines where you like put it on your stomach and it like works your abs out for you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, like a gimmicky workout thing like that. But then what they don't tell you is it actually gives you the vaccine. Like, that. <laughs> <laughs> you're vaccinated now. Like, God damn it. Gotcha. You thought this was 30 minute abs. No, no, it's Moderna and Pfizer. Have you done any uh, uh, customer service representative work for Moderna or Pfizer? Well, yeah, I did some like parody Moderna uh, posts. Um, Damn it. My favorite has been so Ben has been infiltrating these like anti-vax groups. And he'll he'll post as like Deb or like Trisha from accounting, and he'll be like, "Does anybody want to hear about my horrific experience with the vaccine?" And then everybody's like, "Yeah, let's hear it." And then if you oh want yeah, to take it from there. That's right. That was yeah. The character's name was like Deb Deblinger. She's like <laughs> Deb Deblinger. I had an awful experience with the vaccine. They're like, "Tell us what happened." And she's like, "Well, first, I locked my keys in my car. Then I had to call AAA." <laughs> <laughs> and they had to come out. Then when I got there, the parking was terrible. And there's nowhere to park. And then it's just like a really long paragraph of her having like these little minor, like disgruntled events. And then, and then she's like, but the vaccine was great. I, now I don't get coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I pulled up the Moderna. I did like one Moderna post that looks like it's coming from Moderna. It just says, uh, our vaccine is 94% effective against COVID-19, but we're still working on a vaccine that cures paranoia and conspiracy theories. Oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> That'd be a good vaccine. That would be a great, <laughs> but what's in it? <laughs> like that. Yeah. Right. They call it like the Q drop or something like that. It's like, <laughs> I'm sure that would rile them up a little bit. Can you imagine what would happen if, you know, right now we're talking about assault weapons ban and gun control as we always are every few weeks. If like, yeah, if they lifted all restrictions from gun ownership, as long as you had the COVID vaccine, like people's minds <laughs> would just explode. <laughs> you had to, that's like Ticketmaster is making it so you have to have the vaccine to go to like a concert, but it would be like that but for buying a gun. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That would like, be hey, some we incentive. Hear you, gun control is uh, it's a hot button topic, but get that vaccine and go for it. You know? Yeah. Well, I was like um, Krispy Kreme recently put out that they're giving away free donuts to people who show that they got the the vaccine. And so, and then of course that attracted the, the anti-vaxxer people to Krispy Kreme's page. Um, and I actually responded for them. Um, and I can read you that one too. Uh, <laughs> this guy, Rupert says, this is disgusting. Instead of promoting being healthy and surviving diseases that will always come around, you promote eating donuts and having literal toxins injected. F you. And so then I responded as Krispy Kreme, uh, enjoy kale salad and polio. And and then he said, I will enjoy the kale salad and make sure I take lots of vitamin C to prevent the polio. Easy. Polio wasn't even that bad and neither is COVID. There will always be something and we don't live forever. 
And then I responded as Krispy Kreme. After reading this, we're now going to stand in front of an oncoming train. But don't worry, we had our multivitamin. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you have a company in Australia that said, like, this wasn't us, but we wish it was? Like, have you had had companies that, like, acknowledged it, but still supported what you were saying? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, man, I'm trying to remember who that was. They, yeah, they, like, shared it and thought it was funny. I always forget there's companies in other countries. (laughs) The companies in the other countries have a better sense of humor. The grocery stores and, and like England and yeah, some Australian companies, they, they enjoy that kind of stuff a little more. And I remember one time um, I got like a copyright infringement letter from one of them and they were like, they worded it super nicely. They're like, despite the humor value in it that we like, you know, like we're asking you to please stop doing this. Like, okay, (laughs) I appreciate you reaching out. All the American companies literally just pretend like I don't exist and then they'll, they'll block me or like send me the copyright strikes, but they never have communicated with me in that, in that way. Is there any um, company or I don't even know how to ask this, like domain or area that you just won't touch out of like security reasons or fear of like legitimate, like legal retribution? Yeah. I try not to mess with um well, I can't say I haven't done this. But like I, no, I'll mess with the CIA. Oh, okay. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you, you'd be surprised CIA how many. Sponsor. One time I was making an FBI page and I'm like, has anybody else done this? So on Twitter, I searched for it and there was literally like 15 fake FBI pages. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like. Um, or the, the, the federal booby inspectors. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Um, what was I going to say? The CIA. Oh, well, like bank stuff. Um, don't want to, I'd never want to do anything where it's like, but you're just committing fraud here. (laughs) (laughs) But I did have like, back in the day, me and my friend Phil messed with like MoneyGram and MoneyGram's kind of, I think they're a little outdated now, but it's basically like Venmo now, you know, right. But like MoneyGram, if you want to send someone money that it was like before Venmo, that was like the main thing to do. So anyways, I wrote to them with my just regular name and I was like, Hey guys, I'm having some problems sending money to my friend, Mike. And they're like, and then my friend Phil responded and was like, Oh, no problem. I can take care of that for you. Just give me your credit card information and we'll (laughs) we'll handle it for you. And then I was like, Hey, um, Mike, he was like, just send it to me in a message. And then I'm like, Hey man, my message won't go through. Should I just post my credit card number on this page here? And he's like, yeah, no problem. Just post your credit card number on this page. And then MoneyGram finally responded and they're like, please do not post your credit card number. (laughs) And then my response was like a credit card number. (laughs) (laughs) But besides that, I try to stay away from like banker stuff. Cause yeah, I don't want anyone accusing me of like fraud or like trying to do phishing or whatnot. I was going to say, I was going to ask if government was in that, but then I remembered you had the, like the Georgia one and then you frequent like the LA page. Yeah. The city of Atlanta. That was where I was posting um, like city updates to the citizens from a page that looked like it was the city of Atlanta government, but it wasn't, it was just satire. And every now and then people think it's real. Um, I wanted to bring up on the, um, when you mentioned, well, when we talked about the money thing, well, there was that pastor, Joel Olstein. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, for anybody who doesn't know, he's super rich mega church pastor and he's, kind of like has a reputation for being a little selfish and just making a ton of money. But anyways, um, I responded to one of his, you know, let him talk about 
Houston that way? Patrick? <laughs> yeah, Houston so people. He thinks he's our hometown. So I'm from Houston originally. He thinks he's a hometown hero, but he's not. I don't know if it made international news, but did you know that when I forgot which hurricane came through and flooded Houston? Harvey. Harvey. Like, he yeah. would not open up the church to yeah. uh, provide refuge. And then he came under fire and he was like, oh, wait, no, this is a, a come come stay. Meanwhile, the mattress right. stores are like, yeah, Mattress Mac is our hometown. Here. Mattress Mac. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mattress Mac is like the, the hero to Houston. And Joel Osteen is like a villain. <laughs> but well, when, anyways, I responded to one of his, um, I don't know, someone who I was doing a prayer request. And I responded as Joel Osteen and said that, you have to charge for prayer requests or you have to pay for them and you need to get a prayer request for uh, like a platinum prayer request subscription before we can accept twenty nine ninety. And uh, yeah, exactly. And then that went like viral or whatever. And then when it did his church and then his Twitter, they responded and then they said that there was someone like scamming, but instead of acknowledging that it was just a parody of Joel Olstein. They're like, this is a scam. Don't respond to this. But like, no, you you know it's not a scam. It's a joke. It's funny that that's immediately where their minds went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, they're we out scamming scam us. Dawson yeah. <laughs> too much. <laughs> totally, yeah. You know, do you have any uh, opinions on the most recent cinnamon toast shrimp saga? Clued <laughs> into no. that. I was reading it the other day and. All right, so what I've gathered from just brief seeing stuff is like a guy had shrimp in his cinnamon toast crunch. Is that right? right? Yeah. Allegedly, <laughs> because now today everybody's calling him out for being like a, a person who does who's not against it's it's not unexpected for him to manipulate like a situation. Oh, he's a faker? Apparently. I don't know. Oh, okay. He's married to Topanga from Boy Meets World, so we got Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. The, the plot thickens. As Hayden not, pointed out, his last name is Carp and her last name is Fischl. And he found shrimp tails. So it just seems a little too convenient. Yeah. Wow. Synchronicities. <laughs> I feel story. like this needs to be a Netflix documentary already. <laughs> what? Uh, it's funny, the Joel Osteen thing, because that, like historically, that's not even that far from the truth. So the Catholic Church used to actually sell indulgences like mm-hmm. uh, you can essentially like buy your, your way to heaven or like shave time off, like your time in purgatory. Cause the Catholic church has this belief that um, no one or very few people are free to just go straight to heaven after death. So you spend some time in purgatory. And so the church would offer indulgences to like shave time off. And then there was a period of time in the church where the church would actually like sell indulgences. Hmm. And so like, even though you approached it as satire, like that's sad that that's something like a dark piece of like Catholic church history. Yeah, Protestant wow. Revolution. Yeah, as I remember. Yeah. Wow. Did you? So, uh, uh, one of the main reasons I invited you, one, because I just wanted to meet my hero, and two, is this shift that you've had over this past year, pretty much since the pandemic started. It went from just like playful trolling or just like putting the spotlight on injustice of like big corporations and companies to really like this social justice like movement. Like you've been really mindful of calling out ignorance or uh satirizing like people's just ridiculous beliefs about situations was there like a batman's parents being killed moment that like shifted your <laughs> your focus of like okay i'm gonna use this for good rather than just my own entertainment what's your hmm. origin story yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting question i don't think it was a it wasn't a certain moment i think it's just been a gradual uh 
like an evolution of, of things. I still like doing like silly stuff, but then, um, you know, stuff that matters to people, you know, quote unquote, serious stuff really resonates with people a lot. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, also there was like an increase in that stuff being available, like online to interact with, like all of a sudden we're going through this crazy time where we all have to wear masks. And then like the activism for like police brutality, just like got turned up a lot too. And then, um, corporations started embracing the movement more. And so then therefore they were like putting more content out there that was like in support of it. And then because of that, there was more people coming to their pages to like, to shoot it down and to, to uh, oppose it. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just like a combination of me um, just trying to do stuff that resonated with people and resonated with me. And, and then um, the fact that like, we we're just in that situation together um, that made it, made it seem like it was like a, all of a sudden flipping a switch or whatever. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have personal like conviction about it too. And so then I think that that's what changed things um, over time. I think maybe my focus got a little bit more on it as far as what I believe in and like combating stuff that I think is fucked up or I don't know. Now I'm just, talking too much <laughs> well you're I, you're talking about something that i end up talking about in, in therapy to bring it back to therapy on tap um and, and therapeutic humor so the therapeutic use of humor uh I, I probably didn't need to clarify that but those two things you know i i feel like a lot of people don't think that they they go together like what what is humorous about the work that we're doing or you know they're sometimes somehow antithetical or um therapy is this super serious thing and uh it it can be and it and it should be in cer- certain areas but i think humor is such a tremendous tool for um healing or it can be and so when I start to think about humor, I start to think about what, what type of humor. And there are different kinds of humor. And I actually have a chart here, and I, it would be probably pretty boring to go, go through all of the different devices. But uh, the Does it start with like the three stooges? That I talk about when, when I bring this up in, in therapy, because how it usually comes up in a couple setting is uh, someone, usually the guy, <laughs> will make a joke. And uh, it doesn't land and it pisses off the partner and, um, you know, we're off to the races. And, um, <laughs> and I use a lot of humor myself, but um, when, I, when I look at this chart and I look at the motive, so there is a, as a device, there is a motive and there is an audience hmm. and there's a method and means and province, but uh, the motive and the audience are the ones I hone in on. So with humor or wit or satire, the, the motive is very different than, say, sarcasm. So sarcasm, the, the motive is to inflict pain, and the audience is sort of this, uh, you're victimizing and you're creating kind of this bystander humiliation. Um, 
what you're talking about is is satire and wit and you're and you're casting light i think on a lot of uh social problems and power structures and uh and and your audience is the, the public and um sympathizers some people who are some of your humor i think goes over the head of of certain people so uh it intellectual people people who are tuned into the the the, the social problems here mm-hmm. so i just wanted to like kind of uh, um i'm curious what anyone help me out here what are the thoughts on uh humor, <laughs> humor devices and and the i think the intent behind the humor is to illuminate for you yeah i guess um I feel like, uh, well, I feel like when I'm responding to someone who is like mad at a company for supporting like Black Lives Matter or responding to like an anti-vaxxer, I don't think I'm going to change that person that I'm responding to with the response. Um, But when I share this responses and the people who like read this stuff and follow me laugh, I think it's really for them. You know, like you said, um, and I think maybe if someone's on the fence or something like that, uh, maybe they'll laugh and, and it will help like sway them a little bit, maybe, or maybe someone who is stuck in their ways and doesn't agree with it will laugh, even though they don't agree with it. And maybe it'll loosen them up a little bit of, um, about it. I know some, every now and then, you know, I'll respond to somebody that I'm like um, messing with and they'll like laugh at my response, even though like my response was like pretty much like an insult towards them. <laughs> they'll like leave like a ha ha or whatever. So there's some like phenomenon right when you're responding and like you respond with humor and the person thinks it's funny that it kind of like blocks them from responding for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, Oh, ha, what the fuck? You know? Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess the value is there and maybe there's a little awareness or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that's something to be, uh, to look into, see like what the effects are. See, that's interesting, though, because, I mean, that tells me that you, you don't really have, like, a game plan. Like, you're just operating on instinct. Because one thing mm-hmm. I appreciate about you is that you're not, like, this Don Rickles comedian that comes in and just, like, roasts people you disagree with, right? Like, you actually shed a light on how fallible their their line of thinking is or how ignorant their voice is or what they're saying is or just how ridiculous it is that they're complaining about something so ig- insignificant as a target uh, cashier asking them to put their mask on, right? You're yeah. not just roasting them. You're bringing attention to, do you see how ridiculous you're being right now? Do mm. you see that right. in light of all of the shit and the world being on fire, you found the time to come complain about this dumb little thing right here? Like, is this really what you want to be doing with your time? Like, that's how I see yeah. what you've been doing. But it's interesting that like, you're just responding on instinct. Like you're, you're giving a voice to people that have not, who their voices haven't been elevated yet. Like you're giving them a platform to show like, Hey, they have a perspective too. They deserve a perspective too, not just to be shit on by these people. Right. Talking about like the, the people who work for the companies or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're saying what, uh, I think a lot of, uh, customer service reps would, would love to say. Yeah. Felt empowered to do so. Yeah. It's, um, go ahead. And, and it's appropriate for, so this is our therapeutic humor episode. 
And so you're not a clinician, but what you're doing is therapeutic. Like if we look at the literal definition of therapy, it's treatment intended to relieve or heal. Mm. And what you're doing is offering an opportunity to heal, offering an opportunity to step back and say, is this really what you want to be doing right now? Do you really want to be stoking the fire rather than contributing to a solution? Like, do you really want to bitch about how inconvenient it is to wear a piece of cloth over your face rather than realizing that we're, you know, thousands of people are dying a day. Yeah, totally. It reminds me when someone wrote to AMC when they're mad that they, they're opening back up, but you had to wear, you got to wear a mask. This is like only maybe can't watch the movie four or five months into the pandemic and they were mad about it. And I said something about like, enjoy spreading disease or something like that. And they were like, that's it. I'm getting my money back. And I'm like, unfortunately, our response is non-refundable. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to use like the language of each, each company provides like a different like um, response. So it's like, uh, if yeah. it's a movie theater, you do a movie theater related response or Costco or something like that. And it's like different or like, yeah, the ticket master. And now we're talking about concerts and then and did some like out, like, uh, some analogy with like music and some songs or whatever, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Has anybody spoofed you? Like, has anybody like taken on the, the Ben Palmer moniker and pretended to be you? For I, I would love to see oh. like a really threatening. <laughs> oh, you to pretended to be him. Yeah. I, I was thinking the other way, like, has anyone trolled him? Oh, that's a good like question. I was too. gonna, uh, yeah. And I want to send you like a really threatening cease and desist letter. As that's Walmart. funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. We have the place surrounded. <laughs> on TikTok, there's the people were making. Someone was making like uh, my name on TikTok is Palmer Trolls, and they made it with like a zero in it instead of the O, and then started responding, and then I just blocked them. <laughs> like, so this is what it feels like. And they're like, why'd you block me? I'm like, they're like, why, why'd you block me? They kept coming Trolls back. Palmer. It's like a different Palmer trolls. Like, why'd you block me? And I'm, I'm like, well, I didn't feel bad. Cause I'm like, I mean, I've been blocked a million times. <laughs> um, it was, an oh, homage, I believe. Yeah. Oh, so on, uh, I brought the Costco one up. Um, they were like, I'll not shop at Costco until you remove your mandatory mask rule. And then her name was Sharon. So as Costco, I said, thank you for taking such a brave stand, Sharon. We look forward to the documentary. They'll make about you someday. <laughs> and then, and then Jack, some guy named Jack said, wow, not a very res- professional response. Costco looks like I'll be getting a membership refund myself. And then in all caps, he said, it should be a choice. And then I responded as Costco again. We've chosen not to refund you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a choice. Um, well, yeah, hold on. There's a the Ticketmaster one. I don't know. That was like, some, got into some song analogy with them. That was when they announced that for future concerts, you can go, but you need to have uh, a vaccine. And, and so like that made people mad because, um, I don't know, they want to go spread people's fucking they want to like go spread disease or whatever um damn it i'm having a hard time oh here it is uh <laughs> so someone wrote someone wrote to um Ticketmaster and was like since when did you guys become my doctor boycott Ticketmaster or whatever and so i responded to tic- Ticketmaster. uh we take it you aren't interested interested in attending any dr dre concerts <laughs> and She's like, do you seriously think this is a joke? You just showed your true colors. What a disgusting company. 
And then I responded, sounds like you won't be seeing Cindy Lauper perform her song, True Colors. <laughs> <laughs> it was like just different avenues of responding to people with the same like resistant response or whatever. I, I'm um, an, as you're talking, I'm wondering, do you ever, uh, so th- there seems to be two ways to go. You can troll the customers, but you're also posing as some companies that have some problematic things going on too. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a commentary on the on the original poster, and then also seems to me potentially the you know like Walmart or or, or whomever yeah. might have some uh, you know labor laws or, or oh, right. regulations that you might uh, be able to comment on. And you're kind of the, in the middle there. I, I think both advocating for the the company and the public. Right. You're basically Batman is what I'm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause not all the companies, uh, yeah. It's like fuck Walmart. You know, when you talk about stuff like that, right. There but corporations in this country that are, are perhaps not the most ethical entities. Yeah. But this is, well, there's some that I absolutely despise and then there's others I can tolerate and I can pretend to be them. Even though I'm like, yeah. And like other issues, it's like, yeah, I, I don't care about fucking Walmart, you know, or target. <laughs> Like, well, uh, those are potential sponsors. Yeah. But like, yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, I forgot. CVS Pharmacy. Fuck CVS. Fuck Walgreens. No, <laughs> and your long ass receipts. <laughs> What's that uh, online therapy? That's a great sponsor for you guys. Fuck those people too. No, <laughs> no we're fans of them. There we was. Chat. Oh, really? There was. There was one um, where I was like, I'm like, am I? wrong here but like i posted it and people were like this is hilarious but i'm like i feel like this is wrong because this is just so it was like when the ps5 came out (laughs) um and everyone tried to buy it all at once and no one could get it because it was getting bought up by like bots and stuff like that so like literally thousands and thousands of people went to walmart's website at the same time and couldn't buy the ps5 and it was like sorry and like they're pissed at walmart like come on so um i did too i tried to buy it but i couldn't i couldn't get it um so then i posed as walmart and like people were in a frenzy writing to walmart so i posed and said hi folks truly sorry about the ps5 availability availability issue but we still do have the ps4 for sale in the meantime here's a picture of the ps5 and i put like a picture of the ps5 (laughs) and then uh someone was like is this a joke and i was like absolutely not the ps4 is on sale now and then uh (laughs) Someone named Joshua is like, and it has been for the greater half of a decade. Nobody cares. You might as well tell us that you also have scented candles. And so then I replied, we also have scented candles. candles. (laughs) (laughs) But for that, I'm like, am I just being an asshole here? This like, we're in a pandemic and people are just trying to get these video games to like have something to do at home. But people laugh because they were also in the same situation. And it was just like a funny thing to, like joke about and you know so i was like okay surprisingly that went well but like because people had a good sense of humor about it you know well like hayden was saying so there's there's been significant research on <clears throat> humor and the like the therapeutic use of humor and there's uh thanks for the shout out by the way <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh, dr rod martin and patricia i'm gonna butcher this last name Folic doris who has uh, that'd be funny if her last name was Butcher. <laughs> a, a significant amount of like thematic analysis to understand like what drives humor. And there's four 
uh, types of humor that they've they've narrowed it down to. Which, if you just Google types of humor, you're going to get a wide range of answers from four to seven to twenty. But I like their list because it's very concise. Trolling. Um, <laughs> there's affiliate <laughs> of humor, which is what what you were just talking, or uh, no, not what you were just talking about. But affiliate of humor is more like amusing jokes uh, as a way to facilitate relationships, telling jokes like knock knock jokes, anything that has like a plot and a punchline. But then there's mm-hmm. self enhancing humor, which is finding amusement in life's hardships, which is what you were just describing. Like the mm-hmm. let's laugh it off, like let's just laugh that yeah, this is a ridiculous situation. And like gallows humor slash dark humor also falls into this category where we're able to laugh at our own traumas or laugh at our own mm. misfortunes of like, wow, this fucking sucks. Like I, I lost my biological father when I was five and my stepdad a few years ago. And I tell dead dad jokes all the time, but that's my way of like, <laughs> man, this sucks. Yeah. Um, but also it brings me joy to make other people feel uncomfortable. And then there's the, <laughs> the third type, which is the self-defeating humor, saying funny things at your own expense, like putting yourself down, like I'm so fat, look at me. Right, um, which isn't always the most positive, and then there's the aggressive humor, which is like the disparaging others to manip- manipulate them, putting them down. The sarcasm, sarcasm. Uh, mm. you see this a lot in couples counseling, where uh, one partner will poke fun at the other one, but they'll say it in a joking way, like "Oh, this this dumb bitch over here," and it's like, "What are you trying to communicate with these words?" Because you're saying it in like a ha ha funny way, but you're communicating something very aggressive and like damaging. Right. I like to remind my couples that sarcasm in Greek means to tear the flesh. Does it really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly a super healthy form of like communication. Like, if that's like your only method of communication in a relationship. You're a pathological liar. Sorry. (laughs) This is a... Now you're in a... We have this ongoing feud because I'm hilarious and sometimes misrepresent the truth and it just rubs hate in the wrong way. <laughs> out, of, out, of, out of humor. You guys having Gas issues? Do you, need to, do you need to it talk it out with me? Couples therapy here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, those types of humors that you listed, it's like I was thinking of different comedians that come to mind, like the um, the one where you make joke about horrific things in your life was pretty uh, much mastered by Richard Pryor. I mean, he had a, a really, really tragic messed up life or tons of stuff happened to him. That was like, man, he is going through some shit, but he spun it into comedic gold. And then there was um, Hannah Gatsby, her Nanette special on Netflix was talking about like how that can be harmful and like how just like shitting on yourself constantly especially with her being someone who's like a a victim of sexual assault. And then like, you know, not being like your typical like white guy, straight white guy, you know, she felt like that was like, wasn't even good for her anymore. And that was like the premise or, you know, one of the main points of the special. Um, And then, yeah, I feel like comedy is, is different. You know, you have your different types of comedians you like, and then it feels like there's been some, some shifts in like the public's uh, in their eyes on what kind of comedy that they're interested in. You know, it's, it's evolved. That's a good segue. Who are your comic heroes? So as a stand-up comedian, like who do you look up to? Who's resonated with you the most? Patrick Harris. Yeah. Patrick Harris has always been good. Um, (laughs) uh, Neil Patrick Harris is always solid too. (laughs) Um, Yeah. When I was younger, it was like Chappelle. Um, and then I don't know, there's so many different comedians that I've like liked and, uh, you know, there's like Steven Wright and, uh, like Dimitri Martin, like the one-liner guys. And I, I was kind of like, a, Martin. 
yeah, I was kind of like a one-liner guy when I was starting out. And um, and then there's guys who like start the different stuff like Bo Burnham. Like now he's bringing music into it. And so I'm like, oh, that he's great. And I really like him because I'm trying to bring like a visual perspective into my performances. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, just trying to watch all as much as I can and like, um, like get inspired from how other people are doing it. Um, there's a lot of creative stuff out there. Um, so yeah, Chelsea Peretti was someone I've been watching lately. Her Netflix special is like really underrated and really unique. She does these like cutaways in the middle of her special to like audience members and does like these weird little acts in between her standup and her standup's really good and relatable too, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of unique comedians out there. You got like Reggie Watts who does like music stuff. And I don't know. I could just keep listing comedians. I always feel bad because <laughs> those are all the comedians what, I know. <laughs> whenever people ask that question, then you like list three comedians, but it's like, really, there's been so many comedians that have influenced me. And it sucks that I probably won't list half of them because they're not like at the top of my mind. But and I feel bad because every time I hear people be like, who's your favorite comedian from the town of Fort Collins, Colorado, where you live? And I'm like, I live in Fort Collins. And they're like, I like John, Rachel and Steve. I'm like, you didn't list me. I'm horrible. <laughs> I, I hate you. And that's how I feel when I'm like talking about like, I don't want to leave people out because, oh, Jesus, I'm just fucking rambling. You know, there's a good ramble comic. <laughs> Bill Burr is a really good rambling comic. Yeah. You just talk forever. <laughs> what about you? Bill, what are you? Do you have any Bill favorites? Bill Burr is a more sufferable version of um, fuck. What was that guy whose whole gimmick was just being like angry, rambling? He was older. Lewis Black. Yes. Oh, Lewis Black. He's like a more sufferable <gasps> Lewis Black. Like Lewis Black had his moments, but like Bill Burr is like, okay, this is funny and aggressive versus Lewis Black. It's like sometimes it's like, do you want us to leave? Like do you need to work out this, <laughs> your own stuff on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why, yeah, why are you chilling. yelling at me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people channel their, like their anguish into comedy. <laughs> I can imagine like, that's a something that we've talked about in therapy too, is people get into the therapy to be a therapist because they're trying to work their own shit out. I'm sure that mm -hmm. that's the same for comedy too, right? Is mm. somebody gets on stage to work their own shit out, but like with an audience or with a perspective. Yeah, definitely. Hayden, who's your favorite comedian? Mitch Hedberg, I think, is... Uh, Mitch Hedberg's my, great. Um, I really love Zach Galifianakis' uh, Live at the Purple Onion. That was before he was on, like, The Hangover and before he did, like, mm -hmm. Between Two Ferns. He's just doing one-liners and playing the piano. Um, <laughs> he's really, uh, obviously, really good. I, I but, am a big uh, Dimitri Martin fan, and uh, for me, he was very innovative in the in the visual gag. Like, you know, I love a good Gallagher or a carrot top visual oh, okay. gag, but uh, he was like a thinking man's visual gag. So uh, I'd put, I'd put uh, Dimitri Martin up there. Nice. I really like, uh, I'm not one for the, like the classics. Like I'm, I'm not pretentious or like, Oh, the classics are the best, but I really love like Bob Newhart has such a command of just like timing and like pauses and the way he like fumbles. He's just like fucking has me in stitches every time I listen to his stuff. Like even just his interviews are just so hilarious. Oh, that's cool. But I really like uh, Nate Bargetsy is probably one of my favorites. Like right now, he just had a special yeah. come out 
on Netflix. Oh, well, if, yeah, if you mentioned that you like pauses and stuff like that, he's great at that stuff, at those little pauses and like even like little, <clears throat> he'll like go <clears throat> like that, but it's like, it's all part of the delivery. You know, it's like I was. <clears throat> and, oh, uh, McDonald, sorry. Oh, yeah. Just, the, God, the, and Bob Newhart. Norm Macdonald is like the king of the long joke. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then he, he like hides the punchline and then you hit the punchline and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> that was an yeah. eight minute joke. <laughs> and we needed all of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect. Um, Zach Galifianakis reminds me, there was like a, an interview he did with Conan where he was like, Conan, I'm working on some new material of more like situational comedy. Like, uh, do you see that lady? She had a breast cancer. (laughs) And I know this is a podcast that you just missed the gesture that I made of like large breasts, but it was just like a bit he did on, on Conan. It was just like the funniest fucking thing. Yeah. He's great. I was watching the between two ferns episodes the other day and there's a lot of really good jokes in there. Just really insulting, insulting jokes. <laughs> uh, Comedy Bang Bang is a is a good. Uh, if you like, they're not a sponsor, but if you oh, like yeah. in between two ferns, I feel like you like comment. That's another thing I'm, I'm doing the hand thing that therapists <laughs> do, which is like on the one hand and then on the other, and it looks like you're fondling your own breasts. And I, I that's one of the jokes I make uh, in therapy. So I have a, I have a handful of therapy jokes that I make all the time. Do your jokes ever bomb? Um, with they, teens, my jokes do. bomb with teens yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, You're like loosen up, sport. They're like fuck with, you. Um, <laughs> my my jokes bomb with um, neurodivergent individuals who have difficulty. Uh, like reading between the lines or right. picking up on sarcasm and they'll take it literally. And then I have to be like, maybe you need a different therapist. <laughs> yeah. Then you have to explain it. And they're like, why would you say that? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, it was a joke. And they're like, that was a horrible joke. My, my jokes yeah. bomb all the time. One of my favorite uh, jokes to tell in couples therapy is when a couple's arguing about like what actually happened, I'll say, well, the Texas board of professional counselors hasn't approved uh, of my uh, camera installation in your house yet. As soon as uh, I get through all the red tape and I get to uh, install some cameras in your house, we'll clear this up. And uh, (laughs) that one usually it, it lands in therapy. I don't know if it landed here, but. It lands until you get like someone who's like schizophrenic or paranoid. And then they're like, (laughs) wow, thank you for increasing my therapy. And now I need even more therapy. They bring a phone book and they're like, I found your camera. And they just put it. (laughs) Well, here's a fun fact. The more paranoid you are, the more likely you are to have cameras on you because you end up in a hospital, which has a lot of cameras everywhere. I'll tell oh, you what. Yeah. So one time, so I used to work for the local mental health authority, which is like a free clinic, but for mental health stuff. And I had this one client, I used to work in crisis respite, which is not quite a psych hospital. So it's not a locked ward, but you're definitely not safe enough to be on your own. So you need like an in-between. And uh, this guy came up to me and he was like, why do you, where do you think I lost this finger? And I was like, I don't know, man, I just met you today. And he was like, I'll give you three guesses. Uh, working on a motorcycle, 
uh, in the, the desert of Fallujah or the FBI or something like that. And he was like, oh, I lost it in Fallujah. I was doing this. And, and he was like, speaking of the FBI, I had this going on. Like, do you believe that I did this? And it's like, every once in a while you meet somebody with schizophrenia that like is 99.9% there, but there's just like this one persistent delusion. They don't have hallucinations. Hmm. They don't have uh, extreme anxiety or suicidal thoughts or anything, but there's just one persistent delusion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, check the box. You know, they already came with this diagnosis. This is probably that and it, it's that confirmation bias like when you're a hammer everything you see looks like a nail so yeah. everything that they're saying i'm just chalking under this this schizophrenia i diagnosis. thought you said when you're hammered and, yeah. and i was like you when you're hammered at work doing a <laughs> mental health intervention but anyways and i never do this but i i googled their name out of curiosity and i i you know how like google does the autofill like google their first name and then like the first two letters of their last name and then google did john smith fbi obviously their name's not john smith but john smith fbi and I was like, what the fuck? So then I clicked it. This guy was all over the world. Like they had weird shit going on in Houston and Florida and California. And like half the stuff they told me was written in an article. And I was like, oh my fucking God. Huh. <laughs> so that wow. just goes to tell you, like you can't chalk up everything to a delusion or you can't just, you know, yeah. up everything that your clients say, even if you think that like, oh, this is just their hallucinations talking. Like, nope, sometimes that shit's real. It was That's wild. true. Yeah. Like, it's like sometimes when like you walk past someone on the street, who like lives outside and they're like, it's the golf balls. They're falling down. And you're like, Oh, what a crazy guy. Did you hear what he said about the golf ball? Then you like turn the corner and there's like golf balls falling from like a store or something <laughs> like, Oh, that's what he was talking about. That is true. And that's like a burden for people who are, who have the mental illness is like, maybe a lot of people don't take what they say for real when it, they are serious and they're telling the truth about certain things just because they have the other delusions, you know? Yeah. Or it discredits like their life's work. Like I've had a guy that was an astrophysicist and did some like really cool shit in their life. And they just, you know, these like more severe mental illnesses can come on later in life. Like the average age of onset for some of this stuff is like late twenties. So they had this wildly successful career and then just had that split with reality or lost touch with like their ability to self-regulate and lost everything. Yeah. Are you saying I'm in the clear? All right. Can I pitch a, um, a comedy sketch that I just thought about? Let's do it. All right, like it's a comedy sketch. Okay. It's a comedy sketch. So, all right. But so it's a therapist and a patient, right? And the patient reveals something very deep and dark and personal, right? And then they stop, maybe start crying, get some tissue. And then the therapist goes, did we get that? We got it. And then like enter like a camera crew and like podcast recording <laughs> equipment. And they're, and they're like, thank you so much for that. It's going to be a great episode. It really is. <laughs> the patient's like, what? I don't know. Maybe it, you're Maybe a little too cruel. Dr. Phil's entire career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not licensed currently. Yeah, that is there. That's true. You know, he's friends with um, Ron White. Have you ever heard the story Ron White tells about his experience with Dr. Phil? The uh, mm. the blue collar comedy tour, Ron White. Yep. Oh, he's another Ron one. White has a, like timing. I like his. Oh, great timing. Yeah. Great pauses. Yeah. Ron White has a a Dr. Phil story. That's really funny. He gets like wasted on doc, Dr. Phil's boat. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. You can look that. it up. YouTube. Yeah, That's interesting. He had a joke about uh, his dog, like eating magazines or books or something. And he was like, <laughs> and I had to, I had to go in and get my glasses. You know, I can't read shit without my glasses. <laughs> Ron, Ron White has, well, that's the, the one that comes to mind. And he talks about, he was like, there's a guy who, got his head decapitated or he got decapitated 
from like a roller coaster. And he's like, he was going underneath the roller coaster to get his hat that fell off his head when he's on the ride. And he's like, turns out he didn't need it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know. That's it. That, he's got the other one. He's like, that uh, humor. I got, I'm trying to map. Like, I got, I got breast implants uh, for my wife. And then it's like a pause. And he's like, I haven't given them to her yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's from Texas. A he's a, a local Texas. Yeah, he's from Texas. He started in, in Texas. And uh, I used to see him in Atlanta. I think he lived in, lives or lived in Atlanta too. So when I was doing comedy there, I would see him. He would drop in on open mics and stuff like that and just like tell a joke. It was great. It was cool seeing him. He has a uh, condo here in town. Does he really? That sounds surprising. Yeah. So as a musician, like part of like the highlight of my career is being able to open for big acts. Like, have, is that the same in the comedy world? Like, have you been able to open for some big names? Not really big names. I mean, I would say there's, you know, people notable, some notable people, but no, nobody, no mega stars or anything. I mean, Walmart's um, pretty big. Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Walmart is pretty big in your medium. That should be <laughs> like if stand it, up, but. The next person that asked me that question, I should get really offended and be like, I did Walmart. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, tried to sue me. Yeah. Do you know how big you have to be to be sued by Walmart? <laughs> yeah. I opened for um, Nick Kroll. You know him from the yeah, Nick Kroll him. show. It was him and Jason Mansukas. He was like, I can love Jason Mansukas. Yeah. And a guy named Seth Morris. He's a, um, they have like a, they do improv together as a, they called Marzuk, Marzuknik. And um, I opened for them in front of all their fans in San Francisco for San Francisco sketch fest. And that was awesome. There was like 1200 people there and it was like a packed fucking theater. It was a lot of fun. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've opened for people that you would know if you're like a comedy uh, lover. I've opened for, um, um, Bruce McCulloch from Kids in the Hall. Oh yeah, uh, the Canadian sketch show that was like love Kids in the Hall. Fucking yeah, like groundbreaking. Maria Bamford. Like the, the day I got cable, and when I was fifteen, I discovered Kids in the Hall on Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah, their sketches are great. Really fucking smart. Uh, Ricky Smiley. You guys have Ricky Smiley in the, uh, the morning show there in, in Austin. Hmm. Ricky Smiley. Yeah, Ricky Smiley. He's like a syndicated radio host. Um, he's in all sorts of territories or whatever. But yeah, he's a comedian and he has uh, a big fan base too. And I mean, he is was tough. He was tough to uh, to follow. Usually you open for people. But Ricky Smiley, he's a radio host. So he's like just ready to go at all times. So he would start his show out just himself. No openers. He would just walk out there. And he would joke about it too. He'd be like, you guys are mad, aren't you? He thought, why is he going first? <laughs> thought there was going to be a buildup. He would go first and then do like 40 minutes and just be destroying the audience. And I would just be back there pacing because they don't tell you when he's getting off. They're just like, you ready? You're going after him. And I'd just be pacing for like 40 minutes, listening to the audience roar with laughter. I'm like, God damn it. And then they'd call Maya and then finally would call me up. Or he'd be like, all right, guys, I'm going to bring out a comedian. Then get sidetracked into like 10 more minutes and kill. <laughs> and then finally call my ass up and I do like five minutes and get the hell out of there. I'm like, 
This is <laughs> all I got. Nightmare. I can open for a big act, but I would not fucking want to close for a big act. Yeah, it's I know, right? Kind of a cool down, you know. That's amazing. We yeah. I opened up for Afro Man one time, and he didn't show Whoa. up for sound check. He didn't show up for because he got high. Yeah, that that was the ongoing joke. It's like I bet he got high. And then an hour into his set, we're like, is he just not going to show up? And then he showed up an hour and a half late, guitar in one hand, blunt in mouth, and an iPod in the other. And like his whole thing was he plugged in his iPod, he would kind of rap, and then he would kind of like play his guitar, and then he played the same song three times in a row, and then got out of there. <laughs> oh, that's cool. He's just, just filling time, right? He's like, I got $50 a ticket. Rolled up in a Cadillac by himself. It was, it was fucking amazing. That's cool. Parked it. I never understood how. <laughs> never have understood how musicians can show up so late to their gigs and just be cool with it. Like I would freak out, you know. They're like, they were three hours late when all the audience is waiting. Like, how do you time that so smoothly, where you show up at like the very last minute and like, you're like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, and it was a solid performance. Like he didn't. I mean, he played the same song three times in a row, but like it was like he didn't fuck up. Like, but it was like so, the song everyone was there for, right? Because yeah. I got high. It's Colt Forty Five, and because I got high, that's the only. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you, that's cool. If you show up at the last minute, you don't have to stand backstage pacing. That's true. That's the um, value musicians have. They can have like twenty minutes of hit songs or something like that for the rest of their career then all they need to do for a concert is play that those songs and then they can do all these other songs that they're working on or whatever. And then they call it a day. There's their show. But with like a comedian, you have to same generate the same bit. Yeah. You got to generate a new hour. Every time then you go to a city that you've been to before, if you're going to perform there one year and you go there the next year and perform the same hour, they're going to be like, dude, we already saw this. They're not going to be like, do your, you know, they're not going to yeah. want you to do your best joke. <laughs> <laughs> Play Freebird. I don't think people understand like <laughs> how bird. long it takes to craft like even just a five minute set. Like that's yeah, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of like pacing and timing discipline mm-hmm. that goes into that. It's not a matter of like let me think of three funny things and stretch that out into five minutes. Like that's impressive. Yeah. And then to have to do that, have to change it like quarterly, weekly, monthly, depending on your tour schedule. Right. I think some comedians best, I think a lot of comedians best work is always their first couple specials or albums or whatever, because you're getting their like 10 years or like 15, 20 years of work. And then like the culmination of that. But then after that, it it becomes like, oh, this is just like two years ago. I had a special or like every year. Uh, I guess there are some people who like Carlin. Forgot about that guy. Yeah. Like Dane Cook's (laughs) first. The vicious circle, though, I mean, come on, you can't top that. And that was like the culmination of him being like a beast in comedy for years and years and years. And then it's like, now you got to make another one two years later. Like, yeah, cultivating stuff over time with comedy, as long as no one sees it and it's new to everyone when it comes out, is ideal. The more time, I think, the better because, yeah, you get more material and get to work on it more. it's really a numbers game it's like if you have a thousand jokes you wrote a thousand jokes you get your and take 30 of them they're probably going to be better than if you only had 100 jokes and took 30 of those your your thousand joke 30 is going to be better probably yeah quantity equals quality that was in a <laughs> uh, that's a, a bit of research for you patrick you're so yeah. obsessed with research yeah send you the article off air has there ever been like a significant change as a result of your work 
Ben? Like, have you ever done something or draw attention to something that led to like actual significant change either within the business or within the government <laughs> or something? Well, thanks for making me feel terrible because the answer is no. <laughs> Like have you like? Does your stuff even do anything? Uh, no, the answer is no. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, there's been zero way. change. Like, <laughs> better or my worse. Facebook. I posted a Facebook screenshot, and then a law was passed three weeks later in Congress. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't think so. I'm trying to think of like a good example or. I don't know. But even then, I don't think that's a reflection of you. That's just a reflection of like capitalistic America that the dollar is all that matters. Like clearly the opinion of their like constituents or consumers doesn't matter. It's just whatever's going to make money. Walmart hasn't yeah. gone like, we see the error of our ways. Yeah. They're not like, oh, should we start having a soul now? Like it's, it's not going to happen. Right. I think one day maybe something I do will um, like maybe go viral and then spark something one day, one day can always hope People will be rioting in the streets. <laughs> I want Palmer riots. Oh man, that would be bad. Be great. <laughs> like, you guys, I did not want you to riot. Jesus <laughs> Christ. So it was just thing- a customer clapback. Now Walmart's on fire. Come on. <laughs> like, there- ah, fuck it. Burn it. Burn Walmart to the ground. <laughs> we don't need no water. <laughs> Have you ever regretted anything? Like, have you ever clicked send and immediately were like, ooh, maybe that wasn't the best idea or like it took off way more than you thought it would? Mm, no, I've never really regretted anything. There's always been like stuff that didn't hit as well, but I'm, I don't, I don't care anymore. It's like, that's how it goes though, because I can only know what I think is funny and then I can go with that. And then if uh, the audience doesn't think it's funny, then that's okay. You know, like whatever, like it's just a, it's a process like, oh, well, this, this worked out. A lot of times the funniest thing is not what I thought was the funniest. And like, oh, the audience like this, the best. So sure. We'll do that. That's fine. What's something that you thought was going to be gold, but just didn't land with the audience. Ah, damn. Hmm. Oh my God. I mean, come on. There's been countless. We're talking about performing in front of a crowd. It's, that's the whole thing. You go up there and and do five minutes at an open mic, and then like, oh, I thought that was funny. That didn't work, and then they laugh at the one thing that you're like, yeah, that was just like a throwaway line. I didn't think that was funny, but then you do it do it again. Thing in therapy, in therapy. yeah. Like <laughs> really? I say, I get on my soapbox and I say the most profound shit, and I'm so proud that I like remembered and can quote like some mastermind from like a textbook I read. Nothing. Mm-hmm crickets mm. and then i just say something out of my ass and like five months down the road they're like when you said this thing about the uh, bird and how that's a metaphor for my life it changed my <laughs> perspective and it's like what the fuck i made that up when you- <laughs> that's cool though it's probably because you're when you're quoting somebody you're like i don't know maybe it's not that it's not genuine but when you like throw that offhand comment out there that you're not even really thinking about you're like accessing a different part of your brain that's like maybe more just in the moment you know and that's how comedy is too like a lot of times just being in the moment you get the best laughs if you're just saying stuff about what's going on you know or if you sound too rehearsed you know then you're it doesn't go as well as if you are just sounding like it's really coming from you you know yeah good thing we didn't prepare for this podcast 
at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I figured. I was like, wow, this is going great. You guys didn't prepare at all. <laughs> I, I did have a um, professor. Uh, he was a, a guest lecturer and he said, the client will tell you if it's a stupid question. And, and I, I resonated with that because he, he, he basically said the same thing you said, Patrick, where like he, he'll ask the most, the bestest question ever. And it's like, eh. and then you go, what would you eat for lunch? If your life were different and pastrami sandwich, Oh my God. And we just never know because our nervous systems and our brains are and our experiences are so different. You never know what is, what's going to be, Mm-hmm. how it's going to land yeah totally same thing with comedy mm-hmm. about humor and trauma and one of my uh one of my mentors esther perel she grew up in uh, antwerp um in a community of holocaust survivors and uh she she tells this amazing story about uh, how, how do you know when a survivor of torture has turned a corner when they've, when they've come alive again? And, and she recounts in, in Antwerp, there's kind of two different, there, there's a, a, a line and there is uh, on the one side, there are uh, the, the folks who, who went through this horrific experience and, um, and, and they experience, they're still experiencing the kind of the deadness and, and this, the reverberations of the, this awful experience. And then there are the people who recovered and she talks about interacting with these people and they are creative. They are vital. Um, they're laughing. And, and she talks about the um, one is you, and what, what is one of the effects of trauma is vigilance. Like we, and we can't play when we're vigilant Mm-hmm. And so I, I think about this idea that that humor and and joking and laughing and uh, all of that uh, kind of put in that that area of creativity and vitality. Um, you know, you're, you're you've turned a corner when you start laughing again. Well, it's mm-hmm. like what we talked about. Well, one, I, I've been pretty transparent about my experience with going to jail and getting arrested and all that stuff. Um, but I also mentioned that right before I went to jail, I had finished reading Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning. And that's such a perfect mm-hmm. example. Like his logo therapy is based around being able to find the humor, find a quality of life, even in the shittiest of mm-hmm. situations, like human mm-hmm. beings are very adaptable. Like once you accept that this is your new reality, regardless of how shitty it is, whether it's living in a pandemic or living in Auschwitz, you can still find reasons to laugh and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, and Victor Frankl, one of my favorite comedians. <laughs> yeah, solid. I, I, I thoroughly believe like he would have been a good comedian because he had this ability to see the happiness in dark situations. Mm. And uh, um, Ben, in one of the stories, so I don't know if this made national news, but uh, six years ago in, in Waco, Texas, there was this big biker shootout between two motorcycle clubs. And I was in a club at the time mm-hmm. and I was there for this meeting. And I was among those bikers that got arrested because they just picked up everybody that was on the scene. Oh, I wow. spent 11 days in jail. And one of the funniest things that I did to keep my, my sanity was you get a, there's just like a phone, just like a random phone in your cell. Yeah. And, uh, it's not like a pay phone. Like when you, when you call somebody, it tells them like call from McLennan County jail. Mm-hmm. So it was like the old, like call collect things where like you can record your name. So it'd say call from 
like yeah. from McLennan County Jail. So I would say like, call from mom, I'm scared. Come pick me up from McLennan County Jail. And I would just dial random numbers. And that's how I kept my sanity. And I thought it was the funniest fucking thing because like anybody that would actually answer was like, oh my God, what happened? Like, what do you need? What's going on? <laughs> that's awesome. But wow. that's what I needed. Like there was no way to find peace in that situation if it was not for humor. Like meditation didn't do it. Uh, talking to friends and family didn't do it. Like I had to laugh at how absurd the situation was to That's make funny. sense of it and process it. And then you were charged with uh, federal federal prank calling crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Add that to the list. <laughs> You're like, yeah, wow, I can do this even more. This is great. I don't want to brag, but I was instrumental in uh, legislation being passed around federal prank calls. So, uh, no, that's cool, man. That'd have been that'd have been fun to hear some of the violence slide, but it was the prank calling. You know what's great? That'd is have been the, fun to hear some of the reactions of the people that you're calling. I was gonna say, like, they record all calls out of jail, so maybe they'll hear there's this. There's a recording. Like, if mm-hmm. I need to find out how to how to access that. So they're just always they're always podcasting in jail then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knew the best podcasters are actually uh, jails? McLennan County a- Jail is not a sponsor. Never. Y- yeah, <laughs> never. That's cool. I've never had more bologna sandwiches than in jail. It's, it's a whole thing. Uh, Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning, I read that a long time ago. It's a good book because it's nice and concise and short. It's not intimidating, but yeah, it's got a lot of it's good not a like, whole lot of meaning yeah. in the world. It's got a... <laughs> It's a short book about meaning. It's great. <laughs> um, and then there's a. It's just that movie. Search for it. Didn't find. Didn't find it. That movie. That movie. Um, Life is beautiful. Where he doesn't really use humor, but he makes um, the Holocaust like a game for his son because his son's really little, and yeah. he doesn't want his son to realize what's happening. So he kind of just like makes him believe he's in this other world where it's all just like a, a contest, and that you get a tank at the end. And, um, he doesn't make, not to spoil it, but he doesn't make it. But at the very end, when the war is over, like the kids like looking around after he was like hiding for a long time and he's like, he survived. And then all of a sudden like a tank comes and it's like American soldiers and like, Hey man, you want on? And so the kid, like he won his tank, you know, like he won the game. That's pretty, that movie is pretty good. (laughs) Super underrated. That's another great comedian mastermind, Roberto Benigni. Oh yeah. Benigni. I don't know, but he's the one that, yeah, Roberto Benigni, when he, he won, I think he won an Oscar for that movie and he just like climbed over the seats over like famous American stars, like just to find his award. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. He has another great movie called uh, tiger in the snow, uh, Mm -hmm. which is another, like, if you like subtitles, but just brilliant movie, like funny, like dark humor. Uh, If you like life is beautiful. Tiger in the snow is great. Okay, definitely writing that down. I want to look, look that up and watch it for sure. Because yeah, Life is Beautiful is an incredibly powerful, touching movie. But that shows the importance of like how humor changes your perception because our experience is guided by our perception because the kid's experience did not change. He was still in a concentration camp. He still had the same rules as the kids that were afraid and scared and terrified. Um, mm. But his perception changed by his dad's influence and so his experience was far different than any other kid. And that just shows yeah. the power of our perception. And that's where humor really comes into it because humor offers us a different perception. And what you're doing is you're offering people a different perception, whether it's showing how ridiculous these ignorant things are or a different look at the same experience that they're not able to see because they're so honed in on one thing. Hmm. But perception is, that, is incredible. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that. That's a really nice way to, to sum it up. Should we end on the Holocaust? Yeah, let's end on the Holocaust. That's a good high note to, uh, to go out on. Um, ben, I, I am, again, fanboyed this entire time, but I am so thankful <laughs> that uh, you would donate your time to us and be with us on this podcast and share your experience and your journey. This has been fucking incredible to be able to ask you questions and hear about your life story and what you've been up to. How can people find you, follow you, and benefit from your same humor that I've been able to benefit from? Uh, I really appreciate you saying that. And thanks for having me on. It was, it was really nice talking to both of you. And um, yeah, I appreciate you, you know, um, putting me out there. Um, but I am Palmer Trolls on TikTok, YouTube, uh, Instagram, all that stuff on Facebook. I think the best way to see my stuff is to get into the group. I uh, hope this helps. Hope is the name of the helps. Facebook group. Yeah. And then um, if you want to see like all, all of my stuff, you subscribe to my Patreon, which is you can get for like as low as like a dollar a month. I tried OnlyFans, and uh, when I put the OnlyFans link in my TikTok, TikTok like suppressed my profile. They're like, "We don't want you on here." So I'm like, "Okay, I can't do an OnlyFans." <laughs> and then I don't want people showing up to my OnlyFans trying to get some stuff that I'm not I'm not willing to uh, provide. <laughs> but yeah, Patreon it's basically like OnlyFans for creators, and yeah, I put all my content up there, all the behind the scenes stuff, and then I do game and movie nights with with people and. Um, but yeah, Palmer Trolls. My name is Ben Palmer. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right, Good folks. Name. That's right. Thanks. Do you have a tour schedule or are you hoping to to get back out doing the stand-up comedy this year or are you waiting for more stuff to open back up? Yeah, I think once it seems like life is normal again and everyone can go out, then I'll probably maybe start thinking about trying to tour. But I really haven't performed in like over a year. I just do everything online. I don't really have anything scheduled, but yeah, I mean, once things are normal and audiences are a normal thing again, I would love to get back on stage. That'd be fun. Well, I don't want to brag, but Texas has defeated COVID. So uh, the <laughs> governor has just opened everything up 100%. Yeah. So you are uh, the green light is go, go here. There's just no COVID anywhere. Yeah. You guys lost a comedy club through it all. It was Cap City. It yeah. went down. Yeah. But now you have um you know joe rogan so hopefully he'll breathe life uh, yes. into the scene yeah you guys we're doing um, a crossover episode with him next yeah next week he's one oh, of okay. our biggest competitors you know we, we yeah. share a similar audience it's the whole thing of course he's encroaching in our territory yeah of course uh well, he does mma therapy when you come to someone for your problems and then they beat the shit out of you <laughs> i'll tell you what a pussy you are yeah <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, Austin is an awesome comedy town. I would love to come there. And um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can see each other in person sometime and at a show. Hell yeah. I have a New Orleans-themed bedroom with your name on it if you uh, need a place to crash. And <laughs> It literally has your name on it. Yeah, it says Ben Palmer and Crayon oh, wow. everywhere. It's super that'll, creepy. Uh, that'll make me feel real comfortable. I'm 80% sure it won't turn into the plot of misery, but, you know, let's just, you know, let's take a crack at it. Just Yeah, you know, I take risks. And I have a speedo with your face on it. Oh, that's good. It's good. I feel to be like here. okay. So here's a challenge. That's a that's a throwback joke, callback, callback joke. Mm-hmm. It's the comedy term, Ben. Don't say that to one of your patients ever. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the challenge. That's a callback joke to a, an episode that we recorded last week that will release 
after this episode. And therefore, that's foreshadowing. Yeah, they're so, going to think you're some sort of crazy genius when they hear the second episode. Yeah. See, the problem is Hayden actually has custom-made uh, Speedos. <laughs> he has one with some random o- local Austin celebrity, and then he He's has one with... random. Uh, a friend. A random heavy hitter in the therapy community named John Gottman. John Gottman. So this is, uh, this is a problem. It's a pattern. Thank you for listening. To get in touch with any of us, whether you want to have conversations about therapy or whether you're super screwed up and want to be our clients, you see the show notes where you can find the best way to reach us. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying the show. We will be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. I think I nailed it. <laughs>